And it's interesting, having grown up in Arkansas, often when I've met people, people haven't expected a whole lot (laughs) because they just kind of think Arkansas country bumpkin or whatever. (laughs) Well, that's good though. It's good. If you have low expectations, it works sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's not a complaint. Yeah. So if I do something really well, I'm like, and he's from Arkansas. (laughs) And if I screw something up, like, well, he's from Arkansas. (laughs) You have have a good answer for both. Yeah. I always feel sorry for people who get a degree from Harvard or or somewhere like that. So much pressure. Oh yeah. You do well. Like, well, you went to Harvard. Come on. What's inside? Discovering what you're made of and making the most of it with professional coach Ken Edwards. Helping you understand your gifts, honing your leadership skills, sharpening your natural instinct so you can enjoy a more fulfilling life. Welcome back to the What's Inside podcast. I'm Eric Nordoff. And I'm Ken Edwards. And we're here really just to serve you, help you discover some things about yourself, what's going on inside, what you're made of, and how to make the most of it. That's right. That is the purpose of this. And we've been having a lot of fun. If you haven't listened to the first three episodes, I encourage you to go back and uh, go right back to the beginning. And All in, the way back. All the way back three episodes ago. And uh, you're going to be all caught up, but it is been a really fun journey and it's just great to be alongside of you on this journey uh, with you. And today we're going to dive into, again, talking about going all the way back, origin story. Yeah. Set this up for us a little bit, Ken. Well, when you're coaching, it's important that you stop with your client and really understand where they came from and what's the context, what's their background, because it just gives you a kind of a set level of what you're working with and where they're, you know, where they're from. Yeah. I think it's important for you, the listener, to take time to understand what you're made of. And that starts with looking back. And so kind of what are some of the things that are going to come up for me and right. anyone this, coming? This is a part of my coaching process that is probably going to feel the most therapeutic. Yeah. Because I just have to get this basic information. And having a background in marriage and family therapy, I like to know this contextual understanding. And if I don't know it, then I can make assumptions that are wildly wrong. And then I'm playing catch up. So what I like to know is I usually start off asking a gazillion questions of a client. So I'll ask them about about their parents. You know, tell me about your mom and dad and, you know, how'd they get along? How did they argue? How did they resolve conflict? You know, who wore the pants in the family? Things like that that are very kind of more counselor oriented, but it gives me critical information about what was their early training like and what's their early belief system. And so if they have a faith story, I want to know that, you know, where do they fit? If they have siblings, where do they fit in the birth order? And it's not that I'm doing birth order analysis, but it helps me to understand kind of their perspective in terms of classically, what does a family expect of them? So you've heard the questions already. Yeah. So get out your journal and start writing and just to answer the questions. Because usually I throw all these questions out to my client in my office and then I'll just let them start talking and I just take notes. You can take notes for yourself about your own story. It's pretty easy to do. Yeah. But it's important to write this stuff down. Don't blow it off. Don't just go, I'm going to think about it in my head. Because when you write it down, you make it concrete. 
you can step back from it and you can observe your own life and look at, okay, what are the influences of you know, what has impacted me? Like if I were to talk about my family, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Dad was always a breadwinner. Very traditional, very leave it to beaver kind of, or father knows best kind of old. For you younger listeners, you won't know what that is. Uh, it's a historical reference. I don't know if there are many references currently for that sort of lifestyle, unless it's parodying it. Right. Right. That's right. And, but I grew up in a family like that. And so I had a, a worldview that was informed by even those television shows and, you know, Andy Griffith and stuff like that, that life works a certain way. And so there was this expectation that I carried with me in from childhood into adolescence, into adulthood, that if you do these right things, then everything works out. It didn't work out that way. And so since it didn't work out that way, my conclusion was something was wrong with me. Well, folks have other backgrounds. Mine was, you know, white, upper middle class, born in the early 60s. And so that was my frame of reference. If I'm talking with a, a dear friend of mine who's African-American, he had a very different experience, mm-hmm. different cultural understanding. And so his worldview is very different than mine. And he has a different set of expectations of how the world's going to treat him as opposed to mine. It, rightly so, he has some suspicion and suspicion that I don't carry of who I am. And so we we need to stop and really look at, okay, what is our background? And it's interesting, having grown up in Arkansas, often when I've met people, people haven't expected a whole lot. Because <laughs> they just kind of think Arkansas, country bumpkin or whatever. <laughs> well, that's good though. It's good if you have low expectations. Well, of it someone, works for sometimes. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a complaint. If I do something really well, I'm like, and he's from Arkansas. <laughs> And if I screw something up, I'm like, well, he's from Arkansas. <laughs> you have you have a good answer for both. Yeah, I always feel sorry for people who get a degree from Harvard or, right. or somewhere like that. So well, much pressure. Like, oh yeah, you do well. I'm like, well, you went to Harvard. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So so we want to drill down into understanding what that background is and what's the messaging that goes along with it. Because that's what I'm looking for. So what's the messaging? What are those early beliefs that were formed? And how might those be faulty as we move into adulthood? I've got some homework that will help you analyze this that I'll share with you in a little bit. So there's a a family context that you want to understand. There's a racial context that we need to understand. There's a regional context that you also need to understand. Like I grew up in the South primarily with my dad was military, which even the military context colored my view when I was much younger. So I tended to view civilians as being lazy. And I mean, I just did. My dad didn't teach me that, but it was a conclusion I drew kind of looking at the work ethic of all these people around me because they were serving the country and civilians just benefited. So that's kind of, would you call that like a community context? That would be a good way to say it. Yeah. And then the South, you kind of have a Southern way of understanding life. Yeah. That I appreciate and value in many ways, but there are parts of that that are not good, that hold us back. And that's true of every region in the country. So I've worked with people from all over and every region has its own version of that, that gets in the way. And so we need to come to grips with that understanding. Yeah. So what are some other questions that we can ask ourselves in addition to parents, you know, what kind of parents did you grow up with? How was the dynamic? How were decisions made? Is there a questionnaire or a, something that could, is there a prompt 
that we could kind of go by that? Well, I'm going to lay out this homework for you. So I think it will help. But before I do that, you have the family context, you have the kind of community context, you have a regional context, you have a racial context, but then you also have this relational, maybe a spiritual context, but then you have this kind of relational belief, a worldview that you carry with you. So you have a view of yourself, you have a view of others, but then this kind of worldview of how the world works. And so often we have these sets of expectations that we're disappointed in because it just doesn't work out the way we think it, it ought to works out. You referenced in a previous episode about, you know, getting close to turning 50 and yeah. life hasn't worked out like you thought it would at this point. I had the exact same thoughts as I moved into my fifties a few years ago. And I remember kind of being angry because it's like I had seen these other men that had moved into their fifties, you know, earlier when I was younger and it looked like everything was pretty easy. It's like they didn't have to strive as hard and have to work quite as hard. And I had this expectation of some kind of arrival. And yet I found myself working just as hard as I ever have. Now, in reality, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you have an expectation for it to look a different way and it's not, then you feel this disappointment. And the origin story is about getting going back to where did that expectation That's right. take root? Yeah. Where did it come from? Mm-hmm. And how do you view yourself, the relationships that you have, your the world, so that you have this kind of clear picture of where are you from? Mm-hmm. What's your origin? Yeah. Is this the point where you get into things like the Enneagram or is that different? Is that more of a, another yeah, we'll talk about that, that later. Yeah. Yeah. As we talk about identity and personality and stuff like that. Although I am a big fan oh, I know. of the Enneagram. And so we'll we'll dig into that later. Yeah. Yeah. I think I do want to talk about the homework because it may take a little time. Yeah, let's do it. So what I would encourage you to do is get a, a legal pad. I'm getting a sh- small notebook. Right. You'll need several sheets <laughs> with the notebook that size. Get a legal pad, something fairly large, okay. turn it sideways Ooh. and draw a, a horizontal line. And so on the left, you have your birth. I usually put a B, which stands for birth. Pretty Pretty amazing. That's from Arkansas right there. I'm telling you. (laughs) Spoken as a man born in Arkansas. Born. Actually, I was born in Missouri, but that's that's another story. I can never get you right. Yeah. So, and then I just kind of draw horizontal lines like an arrow. And then I break it up in birth through elementary, elementary through high school, high school through college, which is shorter, but it's pretty impactful time. And then I, depending on how old you are, I break it up into 10 year segments from there on out. So twenties, thirties, right. Whatever. On, on, on. Yeah. And above the line, are things that are positive that have happened to you. Mm. Below the line are things that are negative. And I would want you to, with each of those things, you want to pick out the top four, five, six events for each of those sections. So from birth to through elementary, what are those events Events that impacted you positively, negatively? And you want to draw a line from that horizontal line. If it's a positive event, draw the line perpendicular. So you're moving up the page mm-hmm. to the top of the page. And the line represents the intensity of the event. If it's a negative event, the intensity is longer. So if you're and it's dog, down, right, it's down. Yeah. So if you're like, uh, I lost a, a dog when I was in school, I drew a line down, lost a grandmother when I was in elementary school, drew a line to a certain length. And then you want to write on one side of the line, the line you've drawn down or up, just a brief description of what it is and the emotion that was associated with it as best you can. Yeah. And look at what those lines are. And so you do that for each of those sections of time. And when you're finished, you just want to step back because you're observing your life in just 
a series of Polaroid snapshots of the positive things that have impacted you and the negative things that have impacted you and their corresponding intensity. Yeah. And then you want to look at what's the messaging involved? What have you walked away believing? So what are the vows that you've made corresponding to those things, the commitments you've made, the agreements? Because this is where we get stuck. We get stuck in messages about ourselves. And like I, I struggled, didn't know it at the time, but I was dyslexic. So in elementary, I struggled with reading massively and avoided it like the plague. And it hurt me academically. And so I was an underachiever and people called me lazy. They called me different things. They put me in special groups, which made me feel really stupid. And so there was all this messaging and it was like, okay, I'm with this group of people, nothing wrong with those people, but in one sense I didn't fit, but I was told I fit. And so there was a belief that got lodged there. And so I remember in third grade making a commitment to never look stupid. And you imagine that a third grader, yeah, you're what, eight years old mm-hmm. and you're making this like death vow to never look stupid. I remember the intensity of it for me to this day. I know you can feel it because you're sitting here with me. Yeah. And so from that point forward, I created strategies to avoid looking stupid that became very elaborate. And are rooted pretty deeply inside of you, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And those were the very things later in life I had to overcome and had to challenge and realize that, oh, I'm actually not stupid. I'm pretty intelligent. Yeah. Probably one of my most intense moments was in sophomore year of high school. And that whole first semester, I was, it was the lunchtime, the scary lunchtime when you're pretty much, you decide who, who your friends are that you sit next to and all of that. And there was the cool guys table and the not so cool guys table. And I started out at the cool guys table, but the whole time I was at the cool guys table, they kept like picking on me and making fun of me. And I got, it really upset me. Like it really upset me so bad that I sometimes would like get mad and like say something back and just like really be affected by it. Mm -hmm. Till I eventually decided I was going to go sit with the nerds because they were just kind of nerdy and didn't care. And I was more comfortable there. Yeah. But what I I made an agreement with myself. I remember having a, a breakdown with my parents over like a Christmas you know, ski trip. Right. And I remember just, I was carrying the stress of, I don't know, I didn't even realize it yeah. opened up to my parents and they gave me some advice, whether it's good or bad, but it was good for me at the time, which was, you don't have to prove yourself to the, all those other kids are just as insecure as you are and all this stuff. And they just kind of spoke some stuff into me. I went back from that vacation and I felt like a completely new kid. Mm. You know, I, instead of reacting to those other guys that were making fun of me, I started laughing back Mm -hmm. and I started being unaffected. And I chose to, I made a decision that I was no longer going to be affected by those, by the picking. And I actually turned it around and started laughing and being unaffected. But those were some of the blockages because I would make decisions because I resolved that I would never be affected by people. Right. And I would, would use it as a coping mechanism because it really did hurt me like later on in life, if somebody were picking on me or saying something upsetting to me, but it was, it was a coping mechanism that I had learned, which needed to kind of be broken down. It was not a bad thing. It was just a, a way of coping. Right. And we don't often realize how often children are having to create strategies to survive because they don't know how to talk about it. There's not a level of sophistication. Like I couldn't talk about this with anybody. I didn't feel like because they wouldn't understand. And, and so you wind up feeling alone. Children feel that I think frequently. Yeah. 
And and so learning to try to create a safe environment, this is a parenting plug, <laughs> so that your kids can really talk to you. So you want to remove as much criticism as possible yeah. so that they can really open up. And that's hard as a parent. Ooh, man, it's hard. You yeah. want to correct. And so once you have this document created, then take the time to look at it yourself. What do you see? Are there themes throughout the positive stuff or themes through the negative stuff? Are there the vows that I was talking about earlier or commitments or agreements that you're making with some of the particularly negative stuff? But I would also encourage you to share it with a trusted friend. Just have them look at it with you. And it doesn't have to take a lot of time, but just see if they have any observations because they may see something that your eyes, since they're tainted, may not pick up on. That could be really helpful. Yeah. I remember going through this process a couple of years ago with another friend of mine who, ironically, we did a podcast together and it was really, really helpful. Funny story. One thing about me that the other guys in our group make fun of me about is the time that we all, and you weren't there. No, you were dealing with your family. I think it was your mother's or your father. I don't remember what it was, but you couldn't be there. And I, we were all sharing our life stories Mm -hmm. (laughs) and everyone else's was, you know, just, you know, highlights. Mine was in depth spring of 1986. (laughs) It was a documentary. (laughs) It was a documentary, very boring documentary, but that's just, I think chronologically. And I just had to kind of take it that way. Yeah. But man, I had like 60 points on this thing. What's uh, you know, I don't encourage you to be a documentarist necessarily documentary style, but how many events is, is typically kind of, you know, ideal or. Yeah. You want to do roughly five of the positive events and five of the negative events. You're just really looking at the peaks for these big chunks of time. Okay. Five during each chunk of time or each chunk of time. Okay. So, but no more than five is like four to six is a good range. Okay. You don't want 10 or 12 for each. It's overkill. Yeah. It's complicated. You're really looking at, okay, what are the top things? What are the big things that really impacted you? Yeah. Because those are the things that have taught you how to process things about yourself, both on the negative side and positive side. And I think it's also important to give yourself time with it. Sure. Because you can't come up with it all in one session. I don't think. No, you don't. Maybe. Well, well, that's just my supposition. What's yours? What would you say? You probably aren't going to get it accomplished in an hour for sure. Yeah. So it just depends on how much time you do. I used to do this with clients and I would schedule three, four hours and I would talk them through it. I would take copious notes. I had these big pieces of paper that I would draw it out because something about the size of paper can help too. Mm. You just kind of see it's dramatic and but you, it's amazing how you can see these themes that appear in your story mm. that you're not otherwise aware of because we don't we don't think about our story as a whole typically. We just think about periods of time. We kind of bounce around and select. But you kind of get that overview is uh, powerful. Yeah. No, but it can be the great perspective of your origin story. Yes. A lot of people just think origin story is the first 18 years of your life or 21 years of your life through college. At least those are some of the more formative years, but origin story doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, if you're in your sixties, it goes all the way to it's really true. Present day. You're right. We don't think of it that way typically, but it's a good way to, to process. If you want to move forward in your life, you want to look at the totality of it. Okay. What are you made of? What's your background? What's your story? What's your origin story? And that's your homework. This is probably the biggest assignment we're giving people. Oh yeah. So far I've got some other things cooking. Oh no. Come on, Ken. When is it going to get easy? So do your work. (laughs) It's going to be hard, but do the work. You'll benefit from it. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. This is an important one. Do not skip this. 
Uh, so um, take a deep breath, get that legal pad and get to work. All right. So next week, the I think the most logical next question that we're going to ask is, who am I? Right. Understanding self. You want to give a little bit of a preview of what we're going to talk about next week? It's uh, This is one of the topics I like the most and enjoy the most because so many people don't know who they are. Yeah. If you take away their title, their job, their marital status, and whether they're a parent or not, you go, who are you? People just always go give you a blank stare like, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's really the question. Yeah. Who are you? That's the question we're going to be asking, and uh, we'll be talking about that next week. Well, that does it for us. I'm Eric Nordoff. And I'm Ken Edwards. And this is the What's Inside podcast. For show notes and relevant resources mentioned in today's episode, and if you'd like to reach out to Ken to see if coaching is the right next step for you, visit ProvidentLeadership.com. That's ProvidentLeadership.com. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you.